In the 1970s, Holston was the most famous designer in America, embodying the age of Studio 54 with his seductive clothes, the sensual luxury of his interiors and his hedonistic lifestyle. Holston inspired a generation of future designers, but none more so than Tom Ford. This is Hamish Bowles, and for Vogue's May issue, I had a chance to speak with Tom and Ryan Murphy, the Hollywood mega-producer who's bringing Holston's life to the screen in a five-part series for Netflix that stars Ewan McGregor as the designer whose life was an inspiration and a cautionary tale. Here's an edited version of our far-ranging conversation. Ryan, I wonder how this project came to you. What excited you about Holston and the and his story and the arc of his career and life? And what made you feel this could be developed into a series? Well, it's funny because I grew up in Indiana where Holston is from, surrounded by cornfields and churches. I always heard about two people from Indiana who had sort of gotten out of the state and gone on to bigger glamorous things. And one was Florence Henderson and one was Holston. He was always sort of a, a big figure in my mind or a, a representation of somebody who had come from humble beginnings and had gone on to do something incredible with his life. And I was always moved by him. Tom, when did you first become aware of Holston and his work? And, and what did that mean to you at that moment? Well, a little bit the same. So growing up as a kid, my grandmother always had W, which then was a gigantic newspaper thing. And so I was very aware as a 15-year-old of who Halston was. You couldn't not be aware if you cared about design in that time. I mean, the ultra suede, the wrap, you know, the suede dress he did, the, the luggage for Hartman. I mean, you, you couldn't miss it, you, you know, in that, that period. And I moved to New York in the summer of 1979, and was lucky enough to just catch the end of that period. I think I have a book that has an amazing photograph, Tom, of you at Studio 54. Yeah, and boy, I look horrible in that picture. That was some sort of 20s party or something. My hair slicked back. I'm in some really, you know, tuxedo. And yeah, so I knew all those people. Uh, I can't say we were best friends. I was an 18-year-old Twinkie that was, you know, invited when somebody wanted extra, you know, cute boys around. Um, but I did meet Halston a couple of times, and I, I went to his house once. I was... Uh, to say dating is not quite right with Fred Hughes, who worked with Andy. Fred was in his mid-30s, and I guess I was 18, but we would periodically date or sleep together, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we went by Halston's house to pick somebody up. And I walked in, and I remember just thinking, oh, my God, this is exactly how I want to live. So when that house came on the market a few years ago, a friend sent me a clipping it had been redone by Gunter Sachs, who had bought it with Johnny Agnelli in 1990 when Holston died. I'm redoing the top floor of our house, uh, mimicking that, that floor, all red on red on red on red and mirror and mirror and mirror. It's got a big roof terrace. And so I know all of that intimately, as do I know the sofas and everything. I've been copying those Holston sofas and chairs uh, since I was a Gucci. I've copied them in my own stores. But yeah, we spent a lot of time on that because it's one of the things I admire about you and one of the things I admired about Halston is your surroundings matter. You set, you create a world and 
people are invited to a world. And you, I know that you do that in your stores. I mean, it's one of the first things that I was so obsessed with when I went into your, for the first time when I went into one of your stores for Gucci was that you, like he, have an ability to sort of curate an atmosphere that people want to be in. And it's the details, like you do that, Halston did that. And are you gonna do it exactly like Halston did it? Or are you gonna? Yeah, more or less. We have all of the original. Paul Rudolph designed the, the furniture, yeah. the house. I mean, I don't want it to be a museum. Um, so it, it's a great house. I'm really lucky to have it. It's amazing that I have it um, and I love it. But anyway, back to your series. When I heard you and McGregor was cast, I have to say, I thought, oh my God, that's completely wrong. But he got it so right. It's incredibly convincing. Yeah, he, he was to us the only choice, you know. The thing that was, I think, that you and got about Halston was Halston sort of had a, a, a vision, I think, in his mind of who he wanted to be in life, mm-hmm. you know, and he went after that and he was self-created. And he, Don't you think everyone who is successful in that way, I mean, most people invent themselves. I did. I'm sure you did. I mean, we have that vision and Hamish, I know you did. Um, <laughs> we, we invent ourselves. And, and yeah. I think Halston did that, obviously. One of the things that was repeatedly said to him was, you're from Indiana. Why are you speaking like that? In his mind, he sort of, that, it was not affect, it was natural. And I think Ewan got that. And I think Ewan really connected with the pain of Halston and um, the longing of Halston and what it's about to be an artist and how confusing it is to have to be an artist and a businessman at the same time. And the power of a muse and how those people and those relationships run their course. Oh my God, is she beautiful. Oh, your Elsa Peretti is breathtaking, breathtaking. And I thought that was one really great thing about the screenplay, because I don't know that most films about, or most series films about fashion really capture that, because you really do get a sense that, yes, it was Halston, but it was also his entourage of people from Joe Eula and Joel Schumacher. Anyway, I thought the depiction of entourage and how important that is to capturing, you know, Halston captured the moment. It all just, you know, comes together. And, and you captured that so well. Also that idea that a designer doesn't, doesn't spring fully formed. No. I mean, is that something that you found, Tom, that, that sort of power of entourage and the idea of the Oh, news? of course, and, and the begin absolutely. And the beginning, you know, when Halston does his first Ready to Wear collection, and it's not a success. I mean, it takes you a while too to figure out your voice and to figure out what you want to say. Again, that's true, I think, with musicians, with often actors, with uh, certainly directors and producers and writers. It can sometimes take a while to figure out who you are and, and what you do have to say. And do you know we're all the same age as when they all died? I mean, Halston was, I think, 57. Andy Warhol was 58. Um, you know, I'm about to turn 60 or, you know, it was all, they didn't live so long. I mean, that, that moment was just so, I mean, Halston was really famous for maybe 10 years max. Um, and, and that's kind of the, you know, the way it works often with fashion designers, but uh, it all, that moment you captured very well. 
Yeah, it's also, you know, we end with his death of AIDS, you know, in the late 80s. And um, that idea of so many heroes and people being lost in that time, you know, that informs a lot of my work. That is something that I don't know what your personal experience with it is, but that is something that this generation will never ever understand. Um, I mean, I knew one of the very first people who, you know, had AIDS in 1981, then it was called gay cancer. And when Richard and I, we've been together since 86, when we would have a date, our first few dates, I would go uptown to visit my friend who was dying in the hospital. He would go to the different hospital to visit his friend that was dying. Um, it was just so brutal. Uh, you know, you'd sit at a party, you'd look across the room and the light would hit a friend in a certain way. And you just, you knew. And the next time you saw them, of course, you know, there was a sore on their face. Richard had throat cancer in 1988, and we'd been together about two years, and we both had uh, HIV tests at the time. They had not been around that long, and so we both waited to see. And I remember Richard calling me, crying with joy that he only had cancer. He was like, it was stage four. And he was like, oh my God, I only have stage four cancer, uh, which was, you know, better than having AIDS at that time. And I, yeah. I, I, I kind of wish in a way that the current young generation could fully understand what that was. And I don't think there'll ever be any way because now, you know, you take a pill and it's very, very different. Yeah, I think that... Um the AIDS epidemic, so much of it was about shame. And, you know, the tragedy of Halston was he died pretty much alone. He was with his family. Um, but he felt sort of exiled, you know, not just from the fashion world, but from the entire world. And one of the most moving things we have in the finale is one of his last act was he bought um, a Rolls Royce convertible and he had a driver and he just went up and down the Pacific Coast Highway sort of for the first time in his life being inspired and not having to translate that inspiration into a collection. That was the thing I loved about that period was it was minimalist, but it was tactile. You know, if you pick up a Halston dress, you know, they look very simple from the outside, but you could flip them inside out and they look exactly the same as they did from the front. They are so beautifully made. And everything then at that moment in the sort of mid to late 70s, it was streamlined, but it was glamorous. It was, you know, marble or it was glass or it was fur or it was velvet. If you touched anything, it, it felt very sensual, very sexual, even though it looked very clean. Um, and that aesthetic for me is still my aesthetic today. It, it, it made such an impact on me. Me as well. It was always sort of the world that I wanted to live in. I grew up with, you know, colonial furniture from Sears. But then I would look at Halston stuff. So like, it's a way of being. And I found that the Halston was so interesting because his environment was so controlled why his creativity was so chaotic. And I think the mixture of those two things is fascinating. Well, the drugs, you know, that is something that uh, still to this day really permeates the fashion industry. I mean, I had a drug and alcohol problem and um, 
You know, when I was uh, at Gucci and at Saint Laurent, when the brand was just cranking out cash and we were doing, you know, billions of dollars a year and people started catering to every little thing, you know, I wanted and there was always cocaine on the desk and, um, you know, everyone's telling you're amazing. And, and I mean, you know, a lot of fashion designers do not survive that. And so that, that depiction of those kind of temper tantrums and, you know, shortness with people and all of that, at least in my own personal life, is, uh, was very accurate. And of course, it was accurate for Halston. Ryan, it's very unflinching, your approach. And I wonder, as you're explaining, this is a project that's been in development for 25 years. Do you think you could have been as unflinching in the early days of the genesis of this project? No, I don't. I mean, I think it would have, television has changed a lot, you know, particularly in the streaming world. I mean, I used to spend half my career fighting with, you know, standards and practices about why can't I show this? Why can't I do this? It was always about sex too. It was never about violence. Um, but I think they're probably, we never had a single note about any of the sexuality. We never had a single note about any of the, drug abuse or the depiction of the drug abuse, because those to me went hand in hand with the piece. So, you know, we were able to make something that was, I felt really accurate about his life. I thought the sex was very tame. You did? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm sort of kidding. I'm sort of not kidding. Uh, I, I was saying to Hamish uh, before that I remember that balcony at Studio 54, and that's true. You went up there to have sex. That's exactly what. And you've got that scene where, um, you know, Victor is having sex with a guy in Halston, looks up and, and sees yeah. it. Totally, totally, totally accurate. It was interesting. We were researching it because, you know, Halston, I think, used, like he used drugs, sex was a release. And we made sure to dramatize that from the pressure, from the creation, from you know, the worry of having the lights turned off. You know, and like many creative people, they burn out from too much sex, too much drugs or alcohol, too much pressure. So we wanted to be careful to make that part of his creative experience. I was really interested in the fact that the one big love affair of his life was with Victor Hugo, which I thought was fascinating. And he really did try and make a romantic go of that um, until Victor basically let him know that that wasn't going to happen. And once that happened, he just became an out of control personality where anything and everything was available to him. And he really wasn't able to pull out of that. Tom, what else do you think we can learn from Holston, from the arc of his career, from his talent and maybe the mistakes Remember, this country was founded by Puritans, and Americans have always been afraid a little bit of too much style. I lived for 30 years in Europe, and, and there is a totally different sensibility and a, a, a completely different sort of acceptance of style. And that American sensibility that pared down almost no jewelry, no ornament, no bows, no anything, it's about catching the zeitgeist and finding the right time. And that, that sensibility at that moment in time worldwide was the right thing. And um, that, to me, is what he was able to capture. Has there ever been any period of your life that is the, was the most influenced by Halston? Uh, yeah, probably in the mid-90s. You know, I did these 
white, very simple dresses with cutouts on different parts of the body and, um, you know, Elsa Peretti-esque, you know, uh, hardware that was set on the body and revealed by the dress. You know, I went to architecture school and my degrees in architecture and I always was a, I was Miesian. Mies van der Rohe was sort of my god in a way. And the thing about Halston is you get to have the severity of that minimalism. You get that tactile luxe that, uh, you know, you didn't necessarily get uh, with the sort of 1920s and 30s version of that, that minimalism. My urban aesthetic is very definitely still that kind of 70s, uh, very glamorous, slick, lacquer, glass, you know, luxurious minimalism. Mm. I feel the same. I feel like I never got away from that influence that I loved when I was 13, 14, 15. You don't. You know, the first time you see beautiful things when you're growing up, I think those that aesthetic stays with you. Uh, you know, the very first time you see a beautiful house or a beautiful apartment that you, you, you just, that, that moves you, or a beautiful woman or a beautiful man, that that forms the sort of core of your, you know, the same way the food you ate as a kid. I mean, give me a hostess Twinkie and I'm pretty happy <laughs> um, still to this day. You know, we as Americans say, oh, that was the Battle of Versailles. That's when we won the Battle of Versailles. That's when American fashion took over the world. Liza's performance and at that moment of her career and there in that theater, um, you know, fashion is theatrical and it is, um, you know, not so much the clothes, it's who's wearing the clothes and what they're doing in the clothes. And I'm not taking anything away from the clothes. I'm just saying, you know, when I have a show, I think very much about the theater of it. What is the music? How does it feel? How does it look? What world are you creating? And that world, uh, that you created in that episode. And I liked that you had Joe Yula painting the um, you know, Eiffel Tower because, of course, famously, famously in the fashion world, and everybody wouldn't know it, you know, he had made it all the wrong size. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. One of the things I loved the most about that sequence and indeed the entire performance was about the relationship between Halston and Liza. You know, it's and her kindness and his kindness towards her and sticking with someone through thin, thick and thin. It was, that was part of the, the heartbeat of the, the piece is that, and before we shot, uh, Ewan got to go meet Liza and talk to her about Halston. And it was a very private conversation, but a very emotional, heartfelt one. I, I'm glad that we get to um, bring that relationship forward because I think people forget about that relationship and, and how both of them were such amazing powerhouses at that time, you know? And also that, that period of time, too, people forget about this, about Halston, but he was one of the first to demand um, African-American models in all of his shows, which at that point was really not done. And he demanded it and nurtured many of those relationships with women like Pat. And he was, he was so vanguard. Pat Cleveland, you know, used to twirl down the runway. And I, I was lucky enough to photograph Cleveland, Pat, uh, myself, maybe about 10 years ago. And I felt like I was taking cocaine again. I mean, she was so fast. She was so, it was just, you know, I, I left after like shooting her for three hours with her in front of the camera. And I just thought, oh my God, 
This is why everyone wanted to work with her. This was why, um, you know, she has this amazing energy. And, you know, back then fashion models smiled and they looked joyful in the clothes. They didn't look miserable and depressed in their $30,000 dress. We worked really hard to show a full portrait of not just a fashion designer, but what it's like to be an artist and the temptations of that. And the temptations when the world tells you yes, 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 and then suddenly a real hard no. Let's hope we never get that hard no, Ryan. Never the hard no. Never.